our eternal Redeemer, by the presence of your Spirit, you renew and direct our hearts. Keep always in our mind the end of all things and the day of judgment. Inspire us for a holy life here and bring us to the joy of the resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Young people, come on up. Children, young people. Oh, small group today. So, um, yeah, come on up. So, um, my parents' names, names were Jack and Mary. How about your parents' names? Fish and Rush? Say again. Cool. Very good. How about you? So you guys, if someone asked you, you know, who are you, you would probably say, well, like in my case, I would say, I'm Bill, the son of Mary and Jack. Not typically, huh? You, I would typically say, my name is Bill Crabtree. Did you know Crabtree's last name? Not, most people don't. It's just Pastor Bill. So anyway, Crabtree is kind of a weird name, isn't it? Kind of, you know, people used to call me Crab Apple Tree. <laughs> But I got through it. Huh? Yeah. So anyway, so we have last name. In Jesus' day, they didn't have last names. They, so Jesus was Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. Um, from, and then sometimes you'd say where you're from, like from Nazareth or something. Well, Jesus is going to say, so typically we, we say our last name. But in Jesus' day, they would say who their parents were. Well, everything in Jesus' day came from whose parents you had, if they were of high class, high stature, or whatever. And so you would want to be born from a very important family, because that would make you more important. Well, Jesus says something really cool to us today. I want you to listen for it. He says, you and I, you are children of God, and children of the resurrection. Wow. Can you have a more important parent than God? I don't think so. So that must mean that you are pretty special, important people, that Jesus now claims us as his children. And not just children of God, but also children of an event where Jesus defeated death. So his victory is our victory. So this is some of the cool stuff that you get in the faith of our baptism that you can carry with you every day. Because people might ask, who are you? Are you important? Are you somebody? I mean, what? Who, who, who cares about you or something like that? And you could say, hey, I'm a child of God, right? All right, let's pray. Thank you, God, for these children. May they know who they are and whose they are and that, that you love them. And they are your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, folks. You bet. The first reading from the 19th chapter of Job. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. The word of our Lord.
Sadducees, those who say there are no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in all the same way, the seven died childless. Finally, the women also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore, because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him all of them are alive. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, give us your spirit. Open our ears. Give me your spirit that something can be said here that helps us with the reality of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. As we draw near the end of the church year, the end of the lectionary cycle, we start to hear texts about Jesus' teaching about the end. And today we get to hear Jesus talking with the Sadducees about the resurrection. Maybe a term that we're pretty common and pretty comfortable with um, in church world, but still something that needs a lot of unpacking. Jesus is in the temple. This is Holy Week. We jump ahead and he's having a battle with all the religious authorities. He's won two battles already of intellect and questions. You remember one of those. You know, can we give money to Caesar or not? Is it lawful? And, of course, what does Jesus say? You know, give to Caesar what is Caesar. And to God, what is? God's. Chalk one up for Jesus. Well, now the Sadducees come at Jesus, and they think they've got him, and they pose this kind of silly scenario, although it's possible in Levitical law. If, you know, a woman's husband died, it was the job of the brothers to marry her so that she would have a foundation. She wouldn't be completely lost in a patriarchal society. That was essential for her well-being. Thankfully, in heaven, it's not. <laughs> and so... Um, they, they come up with this scenario, and Jesus uses it as a great example to talk about the ultimate reality. And he launches into a teaching about the resurrection. You know, when we are raised from the dead, we're not going to be like we are now. We're going to be equal to angels. Um, and so it's a mystery, but it isn't just a revivication of our, of our earthly bodies, even though the Apostle Paul will say, like, our earthly bodies are a seed, um, that, and we have a new spiritual body. So this resurrection thing is huge, a new heaven and a new earth, no more pain, no more sorrow. It's pretty exciting, actually, when you think about it. But when it comes to marriage, Jesus says, this is for this age. We need marriage. Marriage is a place to bring up kids and bring kids into the world and teach them and love them. And, and the, I mean, the family is the ultimate basis for all of our lives. And so, but not just marriage, we need relationships. So in this age is characterized by relationships and responsibilities. And it's beautiful. Our relationships are wonderful. Our responsibilities are wonderful. But we also know they're broken. It's this age is characterized by relationships 
and responsibilities, God-given, to make life good, but also they're challenging. Because we know this is a broken world and there's sin, and it's not easy sometimes. When I met with the senior high kids on Wednesday, and we're thankful Pastor Jonathan's up and around and doing better with getting over the pneumonia, and now, of course, he threw out his back. But anyway, he's fine, <laughs> just so you know. He, you know, he's trying to, trying to make me feel better, you know? <laughs> you know. So anyway, so I got to meet with the middle, um, some of the kids in the middle, and when at the end we did a little high-low type thing, and every one of them, every one of them, when it came to their lows, said, I've got a test. I got this math test, I got this quiz, and I'm not ready, and it's scary. Every one of them said that was their low. Life is full of tests, and I'd like to say life's full of many courtrooms, many courtrooms, that are always judging us. And so there's needs. We have caregiving we need to do. We have families to take care of. We have livelihoods to attain to. We have grades to be worried about. We have tests to be worried about. We have colleges to apply to. We have jobs to show up to. We have responsibilities. We've got our Twitter accounts to take care of and our Instagrams and, you know, and Facebook. My goodness, we've got lots to do. Because we belong to this age, and this age is characterized by all of that. Beauty and brokenness all together. And if I could sum up one word to describe life in this age today, I would probably say what I hear as a pastor when I listen to parishioners and people in the church and outside the church, what I hear most probably if I had to characterize what I think is the word that people would summarize life in this age to be, and they would say the word overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed sometimes by all of our responsibilities. They're beautiful, they're wonderful sometimes, and our relationships and the needs and the caregiving. You've got lots of people who are taking care of their parents and their kids. And then you've got this. It's saved our lives, hasn't it? It's given us so much more time. It's made life so much more wonderful. Pastor Jonathan turned me on to this a while back, but um, if you're a parent of a teenager or a, a junior high kid or any kid that's got a phone or any kid, period, or a young adult, there's a great website called Screenagers, and they shoot you out emails, and man, it's great tips because the screen isn't making life better all the time. Sometimes it is. Damn, I'm doing good on my fantasy team right now. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I didn't bring it out for that reason. Not at all. Not at all. I don't see it's, it's nothing. So anyway. Alright. So, no, but our screens, it's making life more complex, more um, beautiful, and yet more broken all at the same time. Life in this age is responsibilities and relationships. And we need those institutions and marriage and, and all of that to make life good. But that's characteristic of this age. I could give you lots of tips on how to be less stressed today, but, you know, go out there and check some out. Sandy is reading a great book now about talking about how to unplug, that that's a real key. And so I commend all that to you. But really, all I want to say to you today is ask you the question, is all of that stuff that characterizes life in this age the ultimate reality for us for you as an individual or is there something more i mean i think it's important who you vote for i really do i think it's important what you think i think all of our conversations are really important, but I want to ask you a question. Is that the ultimate reality in your life? Those relationships, the tests, the quizzes, the jobs, is that all there is? For the Sadducees, who, you know, I gotta throw in the old tired joke, who are very sad. Yeah. 
had to sneak it in there. They didn't have an ultimate reality. They didn't think they needed. They were in control of the temple. They were in power. They had lots of stuff. And so they, they didn't worry about the resurrection, even though the scriptures, Job, talked about it. You heard about it today. They, they were happy with their reality, and it was everything, and that's all there was. But Jesus says, no, there is a resurrection. There's something more. We are children of this age, sons, daughters of this age, yes. But now Jesus would say those worthy are children, sons and daughters of the resurrection of God. What Jesus is seeming to say is that for us, we have another reality that makes all of our realities in this age that we live in penultimate, not ultimate. They're important. Do not leave this place today with me saying that all this other stuff is not important. Just think about the afterlife. If you hear that today, then you did not hear what I am saying right now. But I am going to say if there's a resurrection, then the stuff that we worry about here in this age is not ultimate. It is not the last word. There's a resurrection. We, Jesus says, we are children of the resurrection. Now that is a fascinating term. Only place it occurs in the New Testament. Only place that Jesus says it is right here in Luke. Yeah, we hear we're children of God, but what does that mean? We're children of an event, of the resurrection. So Jesus died 2,000 years ago and was raised from the dead. He was raised. Paul says that's the first fruits. And then when he comes again, we will be raised. So we live in between the two resurrections, and we are people of the resurrection. We are children. We belong to the resurrection. That's our ultimate identity. That's what we belong to. We don't belong to whatever that test says we are, or what our peers say that we are, or whatever our job says we are, or whether we have a disease or we don't have a disease. Those are powerful terms and words and realities of this age. But we belong to the resurrection. That is what names us. That's what says who we are. That's our ultimate reality. So whatever group you belong to, or political party, or whatever letter you are, or whatever school you go to, or whatever grade you get on the test, or whatever job you have, or whatever culture you come from, those are all important, but they are not the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is Easter, and that you are a child of the resurrection. You know how that happened, by the way, is you were brought to this font at some point in your life, whether a baby or an adult, and Jesus' word was put together with this water, and you were baptized and you were connected to Christ. That's why our mission is called Connect to Christ. Because that's what we're about. Connecting people to Christ. And if we're connected to him, we're connected to the resurrection. We're children of the resurrection. And we have a new reality. You know what it's like? It's like you go to the end, the resurrection, and you take it with your hands. And you pull it as a huge canopy all the way over your whole life. So that with all our realities, all our relationships and responsibilities, all our challenges and difficult questions and our struggles with these other sinners who are much worse than we are, of course. And, you know, we all of this, that all of that has this canopy of the resurrection pulled over our life, which says these are all important, but they don't get the last word. I'll tell you about Gail. Gail's a friend of mine. Uh, he claimed me as his friend. You used to always call me Brother Bill. Gail fought cancer for 17 years. We just laid him to rest about a month ago. Um, and I got to preach at his service at um, First Lutheran in Port Orchard, the uh, congregation that he and his wife, Rox, go to. And he asked me to preach at his, at his funeral, and so it was a pretty powerful thing to get to do that. Um, and... I remembered a conversation I had with Gail. Now, Gail's battle with cancer is he beat it, 
and then it came back in a more vigorous, different kind of form, and it was then it spread all throughout his body, and he um, did chemo and chemo and chemo, and he's probably the toughest, probably the toughest person I've ever met. And um, Gail called me up one day, and I'm on the front porch, and so I sat down on my my steps, and I'm listening to Gail, and Gail was telling me about this documentary he had watched on the Navy SEALs. It's Veterans Day, so, you know, it's good. Um, and, you know, if you don't know about the Navy SEALs, it's a pretty rigorous thing to become a Navy SEAL. And, um, and it's a very challenging um, to become a Navy SEAL. And one of the things in the training camp and all of that um, is that if you've had enough, and you know, I don't even know what the percentage, the tiny little percentage of people that make it through this training and become a Navy SEAL, that if you've had enough, and there's no shame in this, I mean, you worked your tail and you just can't do it anymore, you go and you ring the bell. I'm done. And Gail told me, he said, Bill, I've been so close to ringing that bell. I just don't know if I can keep going. Then he said, you know, but it occurs to me that Jesus never walked up and rang the bell. He went all the way for me. He died and he was raised for me, so I'm going to keep going. You see what Gail knew? He knew that he was a child of the resurrection. He was connected to Christ. And that his suffering and his pain, as agonizing as it was, didn't get the last word in it. Even if it gets the best of him, it doesn't get the last word in his life. That's what it, you know, what does the resurrection have to do with our daily lives? That's exactly what it is. It names who we are, and it puts everything else into perspective. Do not go from here thinking that what you do every day when you leave this room is not important. Who you talk to, what you say, where you go, who you serve, loving your neighbor, loving your enemies, making this world a better place. Don't you go away from here thinking that's not important. It is. But it's not the ultimate thing. It is not God. Jesus is God. He's raised from the dead. And you're connected to him. And that's your reality. So go forth today knowing you are a child of the resurrection. And that's the last word in your life. invite you to rise as we sing verses 1 through 2 and 5 through 8. Since this is, uh, you know, we're going to sing this with a little more oomph today. <laughs> <laughs>
And let us continue as we confess that promise together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us join our hearts together as we pray for all people everywhere according to their need. Knowing the one in whom we trust and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. God, you have made us children of the resurrection. We know that our Redeemer lives. Thank you for this new life in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Bring out in us, Lord, this new life so that we may share with others near and far through our words and actions, through our love and understanding, the magnitude, the infinity of your love and grace. Lord, in your mercy. Be with the grieving, Lord, those who have lost recently and those who continue to mourn. Grief is hard, Lord. Grief is long. Send your spirit to walk with those who grieve. Lord, in your mercy. Be with the caregivers. Walk with them in decision-making and hard choices. Bring them patience. Hold them up when things are difficult. Send others to listen and help them process. Lord, in your mercy. Today, Lord, we honor our veterans. We thank you for their personal sacrifices and for the sacrifices their families made. We ask for peace on earth, Lord, so that all may come home and be made whole. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we pray for the family of Virginia Olson as they mourn her death and celebrate her life. We give you thanks for the ministry she shared with us in this place. We also pray for Lucille Lampe as she is in failing health. May you walk with her as she nears the end of her life. God, we also pray for those who are recovering. We pray for Kelsey Crane, for Darlene Gillies, and for George Gillies. We pray also for Peggy Grigg. We lift up those in our midst who are facing cancer, for Priscilla and Elizabeth, Angela, Gary, Dave, Jim, Ron, Kathy, and Carol. We pray for those who are deployed. We pray for their families who wait for them here at home. We pray for Jillian and Bradley, Aaron, Rebecca, Eric, Megan, Jared, Andrew, and David. And we continue to pray for many in our congregation in need of your healing and presence. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For whom else and what else do the people of God pray this day? For Shane, for John, Rebecca, Ross. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, all places and things for which we pray, trusting in the mercy and love you have shown promise you have shown through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. And share that peace with one another.
a blessed morning to you all. And uh, as you share the peace with one another, I invite you to uh, pass the friendship booklets along the way. Um, if you're a guest of ours today, that's a great place to fill out an email address or an address, physical address, so we can send you a letter of, of thanks for being with us, um, just to make that contact. And uh, certainly, as always, your beacon is there, full of, of ways to uh, minister and to celebrate and all kinds of things going on. And the ministry card is a way for you to connect, sign up, share prayer concerns, whatever it might be. I do want to highlight just uh, one particular thing, and then we want to celebrate our veterans and their families here today. Uh, first of all, I uh, just want to announce that the annual meeting will be next Sunday after the, this service, after the 11 a.m. Uh, service. It'll be uh, a little bit of a new format, really hearing that vision of, of kind of where we're going. Um, obviously, we vote on the budget and those kinds of things, but it's a sign of our ministry and how that's working in our community and in this place. So be invited to that. I uh, want to thank our vets. What I'm going to do is I'm going to name the, the parts of our military. I know some of them go together, but uh, name them in, and have you stand up. And at the end of that, we're going <laughs> to offer our applause. So any uh, who are... Uh, in the army, veterans in the army, served there. <laughs> oh, there's commentary, huh? Oh, yeah, <laughs> the peanut gallery back there. All right, how about the Marines? You can stay standing, please. We'll applaud you at the end. How about the Marines? And the Air Force? No, you can stay standing. It's fine. We'll just add to it. Yep. The Navy. Come on! <laughs> Thought we might get a few on that one. And how about the Navy's little brother, the Coast Guard? Right? As well. Oh, I'm sorry. That might not be too good to me. Okay, that was the third thing. He's coming threes. That was my third thing. All right, we do want to thank you for your service to our country. And I will invite you to sit, but uh, there's something that I think we should do that we have not done before, and that is for all the families of all of our veterans, no matter what branch, to stand up, because you are really the backbone of support there as well. So families, stand up. Thank you, and ask that you would have a blessed Veterans Day tomorrow. All right, with that, we continue with our offerings and our pledges.
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, for the glorious resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to take away our sin, who in dying has destroyed any identity that might be given to us, including that of death, and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with all creation, with the angels high and low, we praise your name and join their unending Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your love as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The promise that you belong to Christ is found here as he lives in you. I invite you to be seated and to come forward as you're invited.
May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and with mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.